I love schools. We love schools. We talk about schools or are the, they are a place of ministry. They're not just a place of education. They're a place for us to be able to be very involved in. Brad's ministry, he's on school campuses doing work, sharing the gospel. And, I, and when, he was, when, I, when we were asked if whether or not we would be able to host him, I said, absolutely. And I had lunch or supper last night with he and his wife. And Brad, we're glad to have you. You share uh, what God has laid on your heart, and may we be blessed today. Thank you, Sydney. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good morning, church. It is a, yeah, it's a privilege to be here. I'm excited to share my story with you and uh, talk a little bit about the awesomeness of our God. Uh, Sydney also mentioned my beautiful wife. She is here in the back. We have been married for just over a year, a year, three months, and three weeks exactly today. Who's counting? Me. Yes. So. I'm, I'm grateful to have her on the road with me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to just to, to share a little bit. Um, you know, obviously this life-changing accident happened to me, and I would just ask you, uh, what if in the blink of an eye you were to lose both of your hands? How would you respond? Right, how different would your life be? Yeah. Well, that became my reality after just finishing my sophomore year of high school. So I grew up with three older brothers, and my parents were always very active. Uh, my dad's like this Mr. Fix-It, do-it-yourself kind of guy, was a big athlete in high school, playing football, basketball, baseball, and even as a sophomore the starting middle linebacker, varsity football team broke our school record for tackles in a single season. Uh, and so just overall, I was very hands-on and very active like that. Uh, but that all changed for me one day after just finishing my sophomore year of high school. I got a call from a good friend of mine named Keenan. His dad owned a factory in town, and he was just calling to see if Chris and I would be interested in working that night. And we're excited about that. We'd be helping out our friend and, of course, earning some extra money. And so we said yes. And so we got uh, ready to go. Went to, had to actually work third shift. So we are going to have to be awake for 24 straight hours and then work an eight-hour shift at the end of that. So we got ready, got there about 9 o'clock at night, and we found out we would be operating a 500-ton power press. Is anyone familiar with a 500-ton power press or machines like this? Okay, a couple of you. Not too many. I totally get that myself at the time. I had no idea what that was. Uh, there's a picture on the screen that doesn't quite do it justice. Uh, this machine is massive. It's 25 feet tall. They even cut out the concrete within the, the floor of the facility and put the machine in the ground another five or six feet deep. And I actually remember as we pulled up to this factory, sitting in our cars in the parking lot, we could actually feel the vibrations of when the press would come down and stamp the metal inside. And I remember thinking to myself, what is that? Like, what's causing that? We walked in, we get introduced to this massive machine. Now, myself, my twin Chris, and my good friend Keenan would be operating this all night. And as impressive as the machine is, what we had to do was actually really simple. It was a matter of moving these pieces of metal, about the size of a piece of paper, from one station of this press to the next station. And there were four different stations within this press. And so we developed a really simple method where the three of us would step up to this press, move the piece of metal down one station, step back away, and my friend Keenan had to turn his back to the press so he could reach over to push the buttons. And that, of course, would activate the press. It would come down. It would stamp the metal, go right back up again. 
So that was working well throughout the night. And we didn't have any issues until about halfway through. So this is about 2 o'clock in the morning. We moved the piece of metal. We stepped back. I noticed one of the pieces didn't get lined up properly. It was crooked. And of course, I knew that if the press would run, it was going to ruin that part. And so I instinctively reached back in to adjust it, not knowing that my friend had turned his back to push the buttons. And so as I'm reaching in, this 500-ton power press that you can feel running while standing in the parking lot comes down while both of my hands are inside. The first thing that I remember was not the physical pain or really even a physical sensation. The first thing that I remember was hearing someone else screaming at what they saw when they looked at me. I had the sense of panic kind of come up within me, knowing this is not good. Like, how, how did that happen? I need help. I quickly left the press, actually went over towards my boss. But before I got to him, I thought, I need to see how bad this is. And when I looked down, it was not good. In fact, it's a lot easier to simply show you as it is to try to explain it. So let me show you. And I say basically because uh, when I first looked down, part of my hand was actually still attached. And, you know, the doctors were trying to save that. They were not able to. And I remember looking to my right, just hoping that it would be a little bit better. And it was actually worse. Half of my arm was just missing. still remember looking down and seeing this for the first time, thinking, I do not need to see that again. And my boss gets to me. He's in complete shock at what he's looking at. I've never seen his eyes so white, so big. And, you know, he just kind of grabs me by the shoulders, and he leads me to his vehicle. He opens the car door, we jump in and speed off to the hospital. And it wasn't a very long drive, but there was enough time for me to start to think. And I start to think about my life. You know, just how different it was going to be, how I was never going to play sports again. You know, for me at the time, that was a really big deal. And I just started hysterically saying that out loud. I'm never going to play sports again. I'm never going to play sports again. I mean, here I was... Uh, a three-sport athlete, the record-setting linebacker, but now I didn't have hands. And I so desperately wanted to go back in time and just change what just happened. 
but I couldn't. And I don't know if you've ever done something or said something where you instantly regret it, and yet no matter how bad you feel, you can't go back and change it. So I'm getting to that first hospital, and I didn't stay there very long. I was actually in bad enough shape. The doctors bandaged my arms up. They put me in a helicopter, life-flighted me to a larger hospital, and it was there that I had stayed for 11 days going through multiple surgeries. And that was a difficult time because I was now waking up to this reality of, of knowing that this is never going to change. Um, and I now had to ask for help. You know, I, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't get dressed. I, you know, I couldn't put socks on or tie my shoes or anything. It was, it was a very humbling experience. And I basically came home to start a new life without hands. Now, if you would think about that for a moment, like how often do you use your hands? Right? I mean, yeah, all the time for everything. We don't think about it. We just do life. And for me, as I was kind of wrestling with this accident and, and trying to understand and kind of get my head around, like, why? You know, like, why, God, did you let this happen? You know, did I do something wrong? Did, did I deserve this? So I kind of quietly kind of dealt with that in my own heart and just kind of processing that. Uh, but one thing that I had found true was that God was good. I, I, grew, I grew up in a, a Christian home. Um, you know, went to church all my life. And it was a younger age, somewhere around age 10 or so, that I would uh, say that I, I came to realize my need for Jesus and accepted the work on the cross, uh, the work that he's done for me. And uh, so I knew who to turn to, and I, and I knew who I could go to for a source of strength and for a source of comfort. And so that's who I was turning to. And I had found that his grace was sufficient, that his grace was a type of strength. In fact, there's a, there's a verse that uh, is now near and dear to me. Uh, it'd be 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And there it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, having all all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, as, as I consider that verse, um, what I see is that God has exactly what we need. He has sufficient grace for us, no matter what we experience here in this, in this life. And for me, growing up, I had thought of, you know, I'm not sure what comes to mind for you at least when I say grace, but I had thought of God's goodness in our lives and his favor towards us. Um, I certainly love the acronym grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. You know, the, the worst about me laid upon Christ and the best about Christ laid upon me, the great exchange of the cross. But then through this accident, a kind of a, a new element of his grace was more apparent to me and that it is a source of strength for us. It's, it's a way that God um, enables us to, to raise us up and, and to get through or to overcome an adversity in our lives. And maybe not something that goes away, but it's something that we are able to live with. And so I would just encourage you to think about your own story. And I think we all have a story, a story to be heard, a story to be told that God is writing a unique story in our lives with his grace. And there's two specific areas that I want to encourage you to, to consider how God is writing that unique story in your life with his grace um, in two ways that I've seen it in my own life. Uh, the first way that I've seen is through the opportunities that God provides us. Uh, he's constantly providing us opportunities. And oftentimes I've witnessed that 
it's usually the difficult opportunity that we don't want to do or we don't think we can do. And yet he's laying it there before us. He wants to raise us up, give us the strength, the grace that's needed to get through that situation and to, to show the world of his goodness in spite of an adversity in our own lives. And so there's different opportunities that God has provided to me in, in so many different ways. But uh, one was actually getting to play football again. Now, this is something that I had actually prayed and, and told God, please take the desire to play away from me. Because obviously I can't play anymore. And I, I don't want to deal with that desire that I, I can't fulfill. And so I was praying that. And, and yet God didn't take it away. He instead opened the door. Uh, my football coach actually came to the hospital. And he invited me to rejoin the football team. That was a big step. My coach, he's a little bit crazy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, most football coaches are probably a little bit crazy. You know, if you're a coach here, that's a, that's a compliment. <laughs> but my coach is like, Brad, why, why don't you just come out one day? You know, let's take it one step at a time and just see where this goes. I said, okay, I can do that. And so this is uh, about six weeks after my accident. I make it out to a practice, my first day out there. It's end of July, so it's super hot, muggy, high humidity, and I'm just sweating through my T-shirt as I'm watching my friends practice. And as I got thirsty, I would walk up to our trainers, and I would say, hey, you know, can I get a drink of water? And I wasn't able to pick a water bottle up for myself. And so the trainers did that for me. I just picked the water bottle up, they squirt the water in my mouth. We had a great system worked out. I thought we did. End of practice, I was thirsty. I saw this water bottle actually sitting at my football coach's feet. And I pointed the water bottle out to my coach, thinking he was going to pick it up just like the trainers had been doing for me the entire practice. Well, instead, my coach, he looks at the water bottle, looks up at me, looks down at the water bottle, and he thinks for a moment. And then he says something that would ultimately change my life. He said, if you're thirsty enough, you will find a way. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, coach, I, I don't have hands. You have hands? Like, why don't you pick up the water bottle? Jerk. <laughs> I didn't quite have the courage to say that last part out loud to him, but I wanted to play. I was smart. But, you know, I knew that my coach actually wasn't being a jerk. Um, after the kind of the shock wore off, I realized what he was really trying to, to do, and he was actually trying to help me out. And it took a little bit, but as I kind of processed for a moment, I said, wait a second. Yeah, I can pick this up. I got this. And so I dropped down to my knees, I picked the water bottle up, I pulled the cap, and squeeze. Ah, my water never tasted so good. And so I pushed the cap closed, I tossed the water bottle back down to his feet with a big grin on my face like, yeah, what's up now, coach? Yeah, so for me, that, that water bottle experience was a, was a paradigm shift. Um, it was a perspective change for me and uh, 
a real mindset became that if I can do this one thing, certainly there are other things I can do in my life that I'm not trying or certainly not giving my best effort towards. And so it began. Every day, I, I really tried to find a way. And, you know, there was different times that I just kept showing up to practice, and my coach would continue to challenge me in little ways like that. Um, but also just how God opened the opportunity to come back. So my coach had a whole strategic process. You know, Brad, we wanted you to come back to play football. We'd, we'd love that, but we're going to take it one step at a time. And uh, the goal was to be the middle linebacker again, you know, a position I broke our school record at. And he was like, well, that sounds great, but we're going to start you out as our place kicker. So this is the guy that comes out, kicks the extra point after a touchdown. It's like the PAT. And I wasn't sure that I was very good at that, but I was like, yeah, let's give it a try. And so I worked really hard at this, and I got a chance to kick in a game. Big moment. It's small town Ohio, so, you know, a really special moment as I step out on the field, standing ovation from our crowd. I mean, they're really excited. And I run out in the field, and all the guys get the line of scrimmage. I take my steps. I get in position. The silence falls over the stadium. All right. Talk about pressure. So I give the nod for the ball. It's a good snap. I kick the ball, and I missed it. Right, I mean, you audibly could hear the gasp from the audience. I mean, it was this response of, oh, it was awful and embarrassing and heart-wrenching. And so, of course, my head's down, and, you know, I go back to the sideline, and I'm discouraged, and I'm thinking, okay, I just got to work really hard at this. And so the next week, that's what I did, every day for two hours a day, all week long, I would kick these extra points. I was really focused. I got a second opportunity the next game. So I run out in the field, another standing ovation. All the guys get to the, land, uh, to the line of scrimmage. I take my steps. I give the nod. It's a good snap. I kick the ball, and I miss it again. <laughs> this is a wide left this time. What? Unbelievable. So obviously, I'm really discouraged now. And... I go back to the sidelines, and I'm like, okay, got to work harder at this. So that's what I did, two hours a day, five days a week again. Then I got a third opportunity, run back out in the field. The fans were on their feet again. They loved it. It was great. All the guys get their line of scrimmage. I'm pretty excited. I give the nod. It's a good snap. I kick the ball, and this time I miss it again. (laughs) Yeah, not good. Not good. And, and, and actually, at this point, I just started to feel defeated, right? Because I had worked so hard for this one goal. And it's like, God, like, I thought this was the plan. Like, you opened the door for me to come back, and now you're not enabling me to do this. Like, what is going on? It was so confusing. And I don't know if you've ever experienced something that in, in your own life where it's like, God, what? I thought you were going to show up for this, and, and you didn't. And it's really hard. For me, I just went back to practice. That's all I knew I could do. And I continued to pray, God, like, just make this happen. Help me. Give me the strength. Give me the grace. I went back to practice two hours a day, five days a week. I got a fourth opportunity. This time I run out in the field. The fans, they were not on their feet. Yeah, They're like, yeah, are we, are we supposed to keep clapping for this guy at this point? It's it kind of that weird, edgy, kind of awkward moment. Nonetheless, I run out the field. All the guys get the line of scrimmage. I take my steps. I give the nod for the ball. It's a good snap. I kick the ball, 
and I make it. Yes, all right, finally. So I give my coach a big hug. He's pretty excited, and he's like, Brad, you're done kicking. <laughs> that was a relief, I think, for both of us at that point. And he says, you're done kicking. You're moving on to the next goal. And so, we, like I said, we had a whole process kind of working out to the point I was able to actually regain my starting middle linebacker position my senior year. And I ended up leading my team again with 111 tackles, uh, even earning first team all Ohio uh, as a middle linebacker. It was a really unique opportunity. And for me, as I kind of reflected back, that all happened less than a two-year window from the moment I was praying, like, God, take this desire away. And yet he opened up the opportunity and, and provided a way. It was so, so amazing. And I would just flip this and, and ask you, in, in what ways, and obviously you, do, you may never lose your hands, and I get that, and never have to make a comeback after losing your hands. But what opportunities is God providing you? And it's something that might be difficult that you don't want to do. Maybe it's to, to start a, a life group, or uh, maybe it's to lead a Sunday school class. Maybe it's to share your faith. Or just encourage an employee, a coworker of yours. What opportunity is God giving you that, again, he wants to raise you up? He wants to demonstrate the grace through you, demonstrate his goodness so that he might get the glory. We shouldn't have to fear those situations. We should have the courage and know that he's with us and the grace will be there and provided for us. The second way that I would encourage us to, to consider how God is writing a story in our lives with his grace would be through his provision that God provides for us in ways oftentimes that we don't recognize or even ways that we don't even ask ahead of time, but there he is meeting those needs. Uh, for me, there's uh, different examples. One I would point to would be the prosthetics. So grateful to have prosthetic hands. Uh, they work so well for me. In fact, I'm going to put them back out. I want to quickly show you how they work, and I'll even have you guys demonstrate how they work as well. Uh, so what I'm using here is actually hand sanitizer, to put them on, it works really well for me. Uh, it's obviously super slippery to push in nice and easy. And of course it evaporates, so my arm doesn't just like wanna fall off all the time. It's pretty helpful. These also have internal batteries, so I have to charge those up. The battery lasts pretty much all day. This, it's rare that I would have to charge a battery up but occasionally I do, and it's kind of weird because, again, I have to, like, stand next to an outlet along the wall, and people are like, why are you standing under the wall, Brad? It's like, come and join us. <laughs> so that's the button that turns it on and off, and also the charging port, how I charge the arm. All right, it's live. So these things work off the muscle movements of my arm. I'll have you guys demonstrate the exact muscles that I actually use. So if you would, you can hold up one of your arms like this. It could be a right or left arm. Hold your arm stationary. Bend your hand at your wrist. Bend your hand down. Very good. Bend your hand up. Yep, and down. You guys got it. So those same muscles in your forearm are the same muscles that I'm actually using to make the hands open and close. So as I bend what would be my hand backwards, the prosthetic opens. As I bend down, the prosthetic closes. So back and forth, back and forth. Uh, they, yeah, there's basically there's a sensor built into the prosthetic on the top side, bottom side that's reading the electrical impulse of the arm. And the same for both arms, even just a higher sight. So they work really well for me. Uh, you know, I'm grateful to have them, I'm able to, to really do a lot. I'm able to cook and clean and cut their, well, I shouldn't say I can cook and clean. My wife is here, so um, <laughs> forget I said that. Um, 
uh, no, I, I'm able to do a lot with them, drive. Uh, it, I'm, I'm grateful to, to be able to have them. Now, I do think that God does provide for us in, in material ways he can, but, but more importantly, I would say that the ways that God shows up for us in, in those unique ways would be uh, the immaterial aspects, um, certainly like the hope that he provides us that enables us to see beyond our circumstances, uh, the peace in our hearts, the peace that surpasses understanding. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, that kind of peace that the Bible talks about. Uh, I certainly have. And there's a really precious moment where God showed up for me uh, when I was kind of dealing with the emotional side of my accident, my loss. And uh, this was a moment that I was actually laying on the couch at home and my family was gone. My mom was like in the kitchen or something doing the dishes. And as I was laying there, I started to allow myself to think about all that I had lost and all that I was going to lose out on in the rest of my life. And I just felt really sad. And I just kind of had these racing thoughts, the sense of panic, where it overflowed and I just cried out to God asking him why. You know, why did you let this happen? And what am I supposed to do with my life now? And I don't know if you've ever asked God similar questions in your life where you know, you're confused at what he's doing or maybe what he's not doing in your life. But either way, I think there's something God would want you and me to know and that is that he loves you that he loves me, and that his grace is sufficient. You know, in that, in that moment as I was just praying and, and crying out to God, I really felt his presence. I, I felt his peace. And it, it was almost as if Jesus was saying, Brad, I, I see you. I've got you. I'm with you. God brought peace in the midst of this tragedy. And God is one who makes peace. You know, not only does he want to give us an inner peace when tragedies like mine happen to us, but even in a more important way, God wants to make peace with us. And he does that through Jesus. That Jesus came to this earth as God in human form. And he lived this, this perfect sinless, faultless life for you and for me. Beyond that, he died for you and for me. Such a powerful thing that he did for us, isn't it? That he died paying the price for our rebellion against God, dying in our place. It's a remarkable demonstration of his love, isn't it? That he'd be willing to do that for you and for me. We didn't deserve that. We don't deserve it. But he did it out of his grace, out of his love, best part of the story that gives me hope every day is that when Jesus was killed, three days later, he came back to life, demonstrating that he, in fact, is God, and he has the power over death. He has the power over our sin. He has the power over our inadequacies, over our weaknesses. And he'd give us a new life, an eternal life, bring us into right relationship with God. Church, I don't know how you walked in this morning and, and where you're at in your faith journey. Uh, maybe you're even here and you wouldn't describe yourself as a person of faith. Uh, I still believe that is a type of faith journey. It's a, a faith of yours. 
but I believe that God showed up today and that you showed up for a reason as well. Uh, maybe you're here today and this is one of a, a season of rejoicing for you. This is a good season and you're just excited and, and you just feel like God is so good and maybe this is a season where it's not so good and you're, you're not seeing clarity. Maybe you're confused. Um, maybe you're not able to see the goodness of God and in the midst of the tragedy, it, is, it can be difficult, can it, to see the goodness of God in that moment. It's where we walk by faith and we continue to trust God. We recognize that his, his grace is sufficient. We've seen it in many people's lives. We see it in scripture that we can believe it and he asks us to believe it. Do you believe that? Church, I wanna kind of close with a, a special piece of scripture from Second um, Corinthians 12. This is known as the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. And this is a really special passage to me that, you know, God showed up for the Apostle Paul. And I think in many ways he shows up for us and, and would speak to us in this way too. Uh, specifically speaking to Paul, but I, again, I, I think it could be addressed to us as well. I'll, I'll start in this chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So Paul says uh, to the just to kind of give some context, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Clearly, we recognize that this thorn wasn't given to him by God. It was by Satan. Uh, we don't know what this thorn was. It was some type of limitation, something that held Paul back from reaching his potential uh, Paul felt like he wasn't able to, to serve God in his full capacity. He's like, God, like, take this away from me. And that's what he said. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he, God said to me, and, and this is where I think he speaks to all of us, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is in our weaker moments, I think, that we can better see God's grace, that we can better see his power. You know, we are, we are strong. We're made in God's image. At the same time, we're very weak. Life is almost like walking on a thread, and when it breaks, it, it hurts. But there God is. There he is with his grace. He's going to be there for eternity, and we're going to be there for eternity, too. He wants to be there for you. That he has made a way from, to himself and that provision is through Jesus. So again, church, I don't know um, if you're here today and, and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, what stops you from crying out to him now? Saying, God, I, I, I need you. God, I've lived for everything but you. But Jesus, I recognize my need for you. I don't have that peace in my heart that Brad's talking about. I need that peace. Jesus, will you come into my heart? Jesus, I want to live for you. I turn from all that I've done wrong, and I turn to you. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus says that he will. If you want to talk about that, I'll, I'll be available after the service. Uh, Pastor Sidney here will be available too. He'd love to, to chat and maybe talk a little bit more about that. But I just want to encourage you, church, that, that we all can have a story, a story that's being written by his grace. I just want to encourage you to think about how God is providing those opportunities for you to stretch you, to grow you, to lean into him for his grace 
and how he's provided for you those means that ultimately he's made the way to himself through Jesus, that we can rejoice in that. And that we all might be like the Apostle Paul, who at the end of this chapter said that when I am weak, then I am strong. It's by his grace. Church, let's pray. Lord, you are, you are truly good. Even in the midst of our adversities, uh, you've even explained to us through your word that in this life we will experience tribulation. Uh, but to be of good cheer that you have overcome the world, that this isn't our home, that we don't live here for eternity, that you've gone to prepare a place for us. That's our home. That's what we can look forward to. That's what we can be excited about and have joy about. So God, as we endure here, uh, the hardships that come our way, pray that we'd be able to do that gracefully, gracefully with your grace, that you empower us and strengthen us, that we would display to the world that's lost and dying how good you truly are, that you provide a peace in our hearts that surpasses understanding. It's, it's, it's something that the world so desires, so needs, and we need as well. So Lord, thank you for providing that peace. Thank you for providing your grace. And let's pray that that would be fresh in our hearts today, this morning, Lord, wherever we might be in our journey with you. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. tell Brad thank you this morning. Would you do that? <laughs> Drew, can we bring up the house lights for a second so that I can, I can look you in the eye? Some of you um, this morning probably have identified with some of his story and the heartaches of life and questioning God. He and I were talking about some of those some of those things. And today, listen, I don't want you to leave here uh, with some unended business. You know what I'm saying? Some of you may need to talk to somebody. Some of you may be wrestling with issues of the heart and trying to figure some things out. You don't have to do that alone. And and Mark, I don't know if you're available. Roth, I don't know if you're available. You know, Joe, you may be available. Steve, you may be available. Um, Just after we're done here this morning, just to stand and if, if you're here when we're finished up and you just need somebody to pray with, or maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we want Jesus to be at the center of everything. And uh, today you have the opportunity to talk to one of these guys to say, listen, I, I want you to pray. With, would you pray with me? I'm really wrestling with this. Or would you pray with me because today I, I'm, I'd like to know more about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to have hope. You know, it's in the difficult times that our faith that we so many times we say that we have is it's strengthened and it's, it's fortified. And you may be walking through a time right now when you feel very, very weak. Uh, it's not the time to run, people. It's the time to run, not away, but to run to him. And uh, so... Also, in addition to Project Generosity and what we do here within our community, and we're excited about making that presentation to the, to the school um, this coming Wednesday because it's, it's great to be a part of a community that cares about what takes place in, in and around our schools. Um, but maybe you're here and you'd like to partner. You'd like to partner with Brad. We, we want to give you that, that chance to do, but you're probably, some of you are saying maybe, 
you know, what is it that he, that he does. I want to show you just a, just a really quick video, and then we'll finish up our time together, and then after we'll pray and, and be dismissed. But watch this little video, and you'll see a little bit about what Brad does uh, in schools and how, how it all comes together with making Jesus known. What makes this ministry so awesome is the fact that they come into the schools to their actual place where they are eight hours plus a day and they're bringing the message of Christ to them. His story has been featured in the national news media, including ESPN and the New York Times. Please welcome Brad Herdick. He's an amazing person to listen to. Some of the stories that he had, like when he was on his ATV and he had accelerated too quickly. The four-wheeler took off, throwing me back, pulling both of my arms out of my prosthetics and leaving the prosthetics attached to the handlebars. Brad was great today. Kids were on the edge of their seats. You could have heard a pin drop. The format that they provide of having assembly earlier in the day is just a genius idea because it gets them drawn in. And then later on that evening when they have the concert, it brings these students back. In terms of technology and in terms of media, with lighting, with sound, it's top-notch. Definitely appealing to a generation that's full of technology. If a student comes, they're going to hear the message of Christ plain and clear. It's not a roundabout message. It's not just scratching the surface, it's the real deal. He lived for you, he died for you, and he rose for you. What would keep you from turning to Jesus and asking him to save you? The Plain Cities concert was incredible. It was really fun. Ecstatic. Awesome. Very moving. It hit home. It made me think maybe I should go to church. When they go to a school, they are truly presenting the message of Christ. And, and these kids are hearing it. And, and many kids are, are saying yes, that they want Christ as their Savior and Lord. churches represented here tonight. If you're willing to learn more, get connected to a church. If you want an opportunity for your teenagers to be changed, to have a place where they can bring their friends 
who don't know Christ to a place where they will hear about Christ, this is the way to do it. With, uh, with Brad, Brittany, and, and their team, you have the ability to do so by, number one, praying. Listen, we ought to be praying specifically for him and others that are going into schools to make a difference. But the other way, you can sponsor and work with them financially. There are some cards that you may have been given when you walked in. If not, there's some that are on the table outside that you can do that, and you have the ability to support them for a period of time to say, listen, man, we just want to walk with you financially. I told Brad, I said, we are very thankful to have a very giving and generous church, and uh, we're very, very thankful for you guys. But I'd like to pray for us this morning, and uh, as, we, as we close out our time again, for those guys, if you would be willing to come and stand uh, this morning, you can just stand right here, those that I called your names out, if you'd like to do that. And if you're here today, uh, she, did I see Sheila here earlier? Where's Sheila? Sheila, come on. We might have some women. Uh, I don't see Chris, and uh, but you you guys come because we may have some. We we want you to provide an opportunity for you guys to have a conversation, um, if you'd like to have a conversation about Jesus or maybe whatever's going on. But it's a great day. It's an incredible day. And Brad, thank you for being here to be with us. And uh, what a blessing it is. Uh, let's pray, Father. Thank you for the privilege we have of coming to this place. Uh, to join you to hear, uh, Father, someone who is, has, a, has walked through tragedy and Jesus has heard your voice um, and recognized that your grace is sufficient, that even in the most difficult of times, that, that Lord, you use those times to, uh, to chip away and to create within us uh, that who you've called us to be, um, that, Lord, that we don't have to, to give up or be defeated but we have victory in Christ, not only uh, in those things that are, f- that are of the flesh, but, Father, also in those things that are the spiritual. We have victory over, over death and sin. Uh, Father, thank you for the encouragement that he's provided today. For those that may be here in this room that are, that are wrestling with some things, even today, uh, would they be willing to come and just say, hey, would you pray with me? For the person that may be here today that wrestling with their relationship with the Lord and just their eternity, uh, even today, may, may it be the day that they cry out to you and say, Jesus, I recognize my sin. Would you forgive me of my sin? For that person even today, would they, be, would they come this morning to say, would, would you tell me more about Jesus? Lord, as we get ready to leave this place, there's the opportunity for us to be your hands and feet to this community. Uh, to be your representatives, to be your ambassadors. May we not take that responsibility lightly. May we recognize that everywhere we go, every place that we may attend, that Jesus, that you've called us to be light and darkness. Thank you for the privilege that we have to do that within this community and beyond. Father, as we walk out these doors, may may there be a sense of passion and purpose in our lives um, to represent you and to make your name known to this world in which we live. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here in this place today. I pray for Brad. I pray for Brittany. Father, for their places that they'll be speaking this week. Jesus, I pray that there would be uh, many many students that come to not only uh, hear a word of hope, um, see a a testimony of, of hope, but, Father, they would hear about Jesus and come to make the most important decision of their life. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.